A lot of bad blood, obviously, in Chicago right now, but we'll see if they can shake it off. stop shop for news views and overreactions to all things nfl it's been a week of blowouts and big performances and maybe a stinker or two in the mix so hey we got connor here and we got ronan hello and we don't have sean silence so yeah how you getting on ronan how's tricks not too bad just tipping away down here in cork preparing for some ill weather apparently coming our way enjoying the rugby performance ireland beating south africa that's good to see not officially into the quarterfinals yet but it's pole position as it were ah yeah no we're similar here we had very nice weather for the most part and now the bad weather you're talking about is just coming in here now i'm seeing the the bit of rain outside the trees are starting to shake a bit with the wind so you know thankfully we got the last cut of the garden done yesterday so hopefully that'll be the end of it until the new year but uh yeah nothing too too wild or crazy up this end uh, some very exciting football on the weekend and obviously watch the rugby too that was fine performance if a little bit sloppy in places here and there particularly on our line outs but yeah it was it was good fun sean unfortunately is not with us this week obviously as he is off on holidays and you know doesn't have the dedication that we've had running over our holidays to occasionally just call <laughs> in and do it anyway but yeah i'm sure he's probably still kind of in shock following the miami dolphins results and seeing that they are now in the division as well as the bills and kind of wondering what the future for his poor patriots are at the moment in between providing explanations of Taylor Swift NFL connections and how it all works. Yeah, so that's been a, that's been an entertaining element as well. Of a large amount of Taylor Swift fans have now kind of hopped into the NFL. Hello to any of you who are listening. I do like her music quite a lot. I saw her live in Dublin a couple of years ago, and she put on a hell of a show. It was during the Reputation tour. But yes, yeah, so she it, it would appear that the rumours that have been circulating around Travis Kelsey and her being uh, romantically involved are correct. She was at the Chiefs game on the weekend in the corporate boxes with Mama Kelsey watching, going crazy and. Yeah, Travis Kelsey is about to see exactly how strong the Swifties are. So apparently over the course of the game, he gained something like 300,000 new followers. His merch sales have gone up 400%. Uh, so it's it's quite an immediate impact. And to be fair, for those of them who are tuning in, while one-sided, it was a bit of a, it was a good one to hop on if you're hopping on and wanting to cheer on the Chiefs, I suppose, because it was a bit of a one-sided traffic game, which will probably be sitting in the dump off this week. It's going to provide a lot of marketing opportunities. Uh <laughs> I think, coming up. But I suppose we should move um, into actual real-ish news. So we'll start actually with serious news, crime and punishment. What are they doing? Probably felonies. It's an arrest warrant out for LA Chargers defensive back JC Jackson. So he failed to show up to a hearing related to his parole conditions for a speeding incident. It's kind of one of those ones where it sounds, I think, more serious than it is. Like, this is kind of, he didn't show up to court thing, I believe. Obviously, this could cause problems. If he, It seems silly to just not be engaging in the process whenever the process seems to be not massively impacting his ability to make millions of dollars. He had to pay a $500 fine, which I'm sure he can afford. He got a pretty good contract there in free agency a couple of years ago. And he had to go to a class not particularly stringent conditions and yet he's managed to fail them and then he's managed to uh, fail to show up to justify himself and obviously given that he was a healthy scratch from the Chargers which they say is not related to this he really didn't have any excuses so yeah like look it's unlikely this will escalate anything really that serious but yes it's probably a judge going this guy's taking the piss send out a bench warrant for him and I'm sure eventually his lawyers will get him into the correct place at the correct time to uh, resolve whatever needs to be resolved in terms of monetary and other classes etc. Probably another round of of classes on uh, turning up to court or something like that (laughs) instead because that's just these guys just 
cop on like it's not like they were asking for a lot here maybe he has a decent excuse but like come on it's it's not hard but it, it's gonna take me so long to get there if i'm following the speed limit <laughs> it's the problem he got there but he got there late because he's been very bad at estimating drive times of late we've had a couple of players moving around so there was a trade of cam acres so we discussed last week i think on the pod that the cam acres time with the rams appeared to be over because he wasn't a good ethos fit for the team or whatever they were using as a cover excuse so minnesota picked him up Minnesota have not been having great success in the ground game. So they sent a sixth round pick 2026 for the makers and seventh round pick condition is on him getting 500 yards. Maybe the swap to Minnesota will help them, but they've been having problems in that backfield since Dalvin Cook left. Uh, Not that necessarily Cook would be the answer, but they aren't really getting the performance out of the run game they've been hoping for. So hopefully this might be able to kickstart that a little bit. Makes sense. Obviously, Kevin O'Connell comes from the Sean McVay wider Shanahan tree. So... Akers would likely have a good familiarity with the play calling and all that kind of stuff. In terms of his productivity, he looked pretty good towards the end of last year, but that was after having another on-off type situation with the Rams where he was like basically dropped for other guys for a large part of the season. So when he's played, he has on occasion looked explosive and productive, but obviously whatever was going on with him and Sean McVay or whoever was else in the building just never really got on. And once they found someone in Kyron Williams who they found to be amenable to what presumably they wanted to do, then they've moved on for basically uh, nothing. So for Minnesota, given how bad Alexander Matheson has been, he's been very unproductive in the starting role after being the backup to Dalvin Cook for all those years. Then getting an extra body in there and seeing what you have makes sense. I'm sure you'll also see more reps for guys like Ty Chandler, uh, who's already in the building. Look, for Minnesota, like given how bad the run game is, I think you had to do something and this is an incredibly cheap option for a guy who has shown at least some sparks of productivity. Cleveland, following Nick Chubb's injury, decided they need to bolster their running back core. While Ford's been doing well for them, they wanted some more bodies. And the logical solution was to re-sign Kareem Hunt. So Hunt had been with the team for a number of years previously, been floating around as a free agent, waiting for the right spot to land. He got a decent bit of payday out of this. I think he got about $4 million. He didn't get up to a wild pile in the first game, but obviously he's kind of coming in. He's changed up his training this year a little bit as well. So from what I understand, he's dropped a little bit of weight. So he's kind of hoping to be a bit more speedster. He was always quite good uh, catching the ball out of the backfield and things like that. So imagine they'll be trying to work him in there to kind of Ford's more rolling thunderous kind of stuff. So I think it makes sense. To be honest, I'm surprised that it took an injury for this to happen. I, I see now that Ford was a good backup and that's why they didn't really need to keep him on. But Hunt obviously held out, waited for a payday, waited for an injury and he got it. So now he's getting $4 million to be back on the Browns. Ford basically uh, took his job and I think uh, the Browns also traded for Pierre Strong uh, during the offseason. Definitely looks like it's going to be a committee where Ford would be the lead back but probably about 50% of the, the carry slash snaps for Ford who, who's obviously a young player uh, give, been given a really big opportunity. Early goings weren't great against a tough Tennessee defense for the running backs in general or without Dick Chubb. I think they'll probably figure it out and he'll be mostly a role player probably as you say more on those uh, passing downs where he's obviously a trusted resource in terms of catching the ball and also in pass protection. Chicago Alan Williams defensive coach has resigned. He cited personal and family reasons in his statement although it was an interesting one because like the moment this came out suddenly the news cycle kind of went a bit haywire and reports started surfacing about like police turning up to houses and stuff like that and that there was something more behind it something a bit more sinister now we haven't had heard anything really since then so those so far are essentially unsubstantiated to us now the report from chicago said that like there's nothing really massive there that it is just what they were saying and 
they also had to confirm because it's not been a great week for Chicago. Got hammered. They lost a defensive coordinator. They also then had a theft at their site, although apparently the stuff that was stolen wasn't owned by the Bears. It was leased to the Bears or something like that. So I believe it was a load of uh, machinery for ground maintenance, but about a hundred grand's worth of stuff was stolen from the Bears facilities. They said this has nothing to do with that. That's a completely separate incident. I was saying on the chat group when we were watching the games on Sunday there, I think possibly their defensive coordinator going is the saving grace for their head coach because I think if it wasn't for him already being gone they might have been considering doing a bit more of a chop block at the coaching level yeah like I think there's just a whole bunch of things which happen to coincide for an organization which just generally feels to be in disarray at the moment obviously on the field things are going really badly both on both sides of the ball like the offense is obviously getting most of the attention and we'll be talking about that over the upcoming weeks, I'm sure, unless things turn around. But the defense has also been absolutely ridiculously bad, albeit not one that has a particular amount of talent and one which has dealt with a lot of injuries. And so, yeah, I think no matter what was happening, as you say, there probably is pressure on the head coach and on the coordinators to make a change to kind of, you know, kickstart something on the field. But obviously this kind of happened to coincide with some other stuff that was happening. So as you say... You know, the reports from Adam Schefter were that he was fired for inappropriate activity. No further detail given, except that uh, HR was involved. So that could indicate something like harassment or so we'll probably possibly find out though now that he's resigned. The team seems to be kind of of the opinion that's just kind of, you know, let, let sleeping dogs lie basically and hope it goes away. But it just happened to also coincide with, as you say, a bunch of crazy rumors, which I assume emerged from the fact that this theft happened last week as well so you know just a disaster of, of a week for Chicago which ended in a disaster of a game as we'll talk about in the, the dump off but yeah I think Alan Williams wasn't doing a great job Eberflus and him and obviously Eberflus is a defensive coach so he's going to take some of the blame as well they've put together the worst defense basically over the last two seasons and it didn't look like it was getting better so uh, this might have happened anyway but the, you know obviously events have precipitated it happening even faster than it would otherwise have yeah, so we'll see. As I said, we'll kind of bring you more on that whenever we hear more about it. But yeah, just a, a messy period in Chicago. We've had a couple of injuries around the league. So a couple of big ones here. The Chargers wide receiver Mike Williams, who kind of left the game mid-game, uh, has been confirmed that that's an ACL tear and he's gone for the season. Dallas defensive back Trayvon Diggs has torn his ACL in practice and he's gone for the season. And New England defensive back Marcus Jones has torn his labrum and he's going to be gone for the season. Other ones as well will be Jimmy Garoppolo has a concussion, so he's week-to-week in Vegas. New Orleans quarterback Derek Carr has an AC sprain and is week to week so we're probably seeing famous Jameis in there for the next little while and Houston defensive back Devin Singletary Jr. has injured his hamstring so they've put him on IR which means he's gone for four weeks so we'll kind of start at the top here so the Chargers obviously we'll talk about them a bit later on but you know their offense was looking a little bit better this time round, and then this happens. So that's kind of a <laughs> bit of a shot to them. They do have depth at that position, and they do have a couple of young players who have been pushing for more snaps. So they they might be fine. But Williams had a couple of big snags for them, and like he is definitely a loss to that wide receiver core for sure. Like he's kind of the explosive element. He's not necessarily like a fast soup guy, but he's a guy who could make contested catches and. He actually ended up getting injured, I believe, uh, trying to kind of go for the the first down in a contested uh, catch situation. Look, he's definitely a loss. He's basically been their biggest playmaker alongside Keenan Allen for multiple years now. And yeah, as you say, they have been trying to bring young guys through. So Josh Palmer will probably get more throughput. He's a very solid option. He was fine for them last year, but he's not going to 
blow you away. But the kind of X factor, Dennis, that you'll probably see more of uh, Quinton Johnson, who was their first round uh, wide receiver pick this year, who's a really explosive player, very uh, quick, but kind of stone hands. It's kind of the issue that we saw in preseason when he was playing. But I imagine given the circumstances, this will push him up the depth chart. He'll be taking a lot more snaps and obviously a huge opportunity for him there to establish himself as well, probably the replacement for Williams uh, down the road. But yeah, for a team where like Williams and Allen were the vast majority of the offense, especially since Eckler's been missing, it's a big loss there. As for the other one, Trayvon Diggs is a big loss for, for Dallas. Obviously, this was a practice field injury. Obviously, very unfortunate. Got a big payday this offseason, so obviously bad for the, the team from that perspective. But, you know, we obviously respect that the players should get what they, they need. That's why they get the contracts and they get the guarantees. Early innings, uh, as we'll discuss in the reviews, is that maybe this might have a bigger effect than we expected in terms of, you know, uh, neutralizing the capacity of the very effective defensive line to do its job if teams need to get the ball out quicker against, obviously, which is now a very weak uh, Dallas uh, secondary. But I think the biggest issue is just obviously, you know, we know Dallas is a team of stars, like the top of their roster is really good. But when you start losing these kind of elite guys, what do they have behind them? And it doesn't seem to be great. I, I think Dan Quinn will mostly figure it out. Worrying signs, uh, potentially, based on what happened in week three. And Marcus Jones, obviously not a big name, but part of the kind of infinite number of Jones, it feels like, that the New England Patriots keep alongside themselves in the in the secondary. Definitely shade their depth, and I think a bunch of the other guys are also dealing with minor injuries, so yeah. definitely a concern there, but you imagine Bill Belichick will figure it out. No, uh, and then the smaller injuries we mentioned there, the bit of quarterback carousel, it's, it's kind of funny to see it being Garoppolo and Carr, kind of, you know, the, the kind of exactly who, who expected to be in this but also that kind of like push level of is it going to be a big drop off beyond them like who knows so in in vegas obviously it's potentially brian horror but i would say most likely based on what's on preseason will be the the rookie aiden o'connell who did mm. add some flashes in preseason so they might actually be a bit excited to see that whereas in new orleans it's basically famous Jameis, as you say so you kind of know what you're getting there but given that New Orleans are now on this ridiculous streak of like keeping teams under 20, if Jameis can just like score 20 points, then there's a good chance New Orleans can win a lot of games and their lineup of opponents is not particularly fierce. So with Carr, I think if they were in a more a desperate situation, I can imagine him playing through this. But I think given it's early in the season and they obviously want to get through the entire season and they think they have a realistic chance of making the playoffs, given the strength of their division, they'll probably take it uh, slow, slow with him. Well, the small bits of news, Usher's been named as the halftime act for Super Bowl 58. Are you excited? Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not a bad one. I think, like, Usher, I think a lot of people are saying doesn't have any hits, and you're like, actually, if you look back at it, I know... Yeah, it's got like, two or three that, like, will probably get the crowd going, going. Yeah, and he's got a lot of kind of, like, R&B slow things, and he's got a good, decent, good voice, I think, and, I, like, I can't, like, I don't think it's going to be a spectacular one, though, obviously, given the amount of guest spots he's done and had guest spots on his track over the years, there's a chance of something uh, pretty good, but I think, for me, probably rating is a solid, like, 6, 7 out of 10 type Super Bowl halftime show, you know, kind of a down turn from kind of the superstar type ones we've had recently but a solid a solid entry i think he'll give us yeah no it should be good um, so on that lovely note we'll move over and have a look at the game reviews okay so as we said first up the chargers take on the minnesota vikings 28 to 24 in a game that lived up to everything that we said in our preview last week this was absolute battle between two teams that did not want to win. Cousins had 377 yards, three touchdowns and an interception as he throws a very, very panicked red ball throw that kind of turns into an interception just at the last second after the LA Chargers. And I'm very interested in your in your thoughts on this part, Ronan. Decided to go for it on a fourth and one on their own 24, 25 yard line 
with a minute left in the quarter and the guys having to score a touchdown because they were up by four points. Herbert had 416 yards and three touchdowns. He looked good, explosive. This was a bit more like what you wanted to see their offense looking. Allen just had an incredible day looking like young Keenan Allen. He had 215 yards through the air. I think he caught 18 of 20 passes or something along those lines. And he also passed for a touchdown as well. Williams had 121 and a touchdown. And the defense was in the backfield causing issues. They had an interception. They had a fumble for sacks, seven tackles for a loss. But as we said, they're brittle. Their back end isn't working quite as well as you would hope it to do. And they gave up too many big plays. This was a game characterized by mistakes. Even just like, if you wanted to see the kind of mistakes you can make in football, just watch the last two minutes of this game. So you have what I think is frankly atrocious play calling and decision making from the leadership in the Chargers when they are, they're up by four points it's fourth and one on their own 24 yard line they call a really stupid run play of all things as well given that joshua kelly wasn't able to get anything going at all during the day doesn't work so then they turn the ball over and then minnesota managed to get a first down with seconds left on the clock don't seem to have a plan in place for what they're going to do if they get a first down over the middle. Kind of stroll up to the line, clock running down, they're all the way down, they lose about 25-30 seconds just trying to get themselves set and then throw an interception to lose the game. Let's start at the top of that, Ronan. What did you take of Staley's call to go for it on fourth and one? It's an interesting call. The analytics people say it's legitimate because obviously it would have won you the game and you don't want to give the ball back to Minnesota because your defence while making some good splash plays here, was still very prone to giving up the big play. Given that this drive was immediately preceded by the Vikings themselves failing to convert in fourth down at the goal line, uh, maybe that'll give you a sense of, I don't know, like, like it just kind of feels like with these two teams, like they're always going to find a way to fuck up. Maybe you should, for once, do the conservative thing. And weirdly, Staley has become more conservative compared to when he was early on, but he just seems, I don't know, I feel like he's on the verge of a mental breakdown, like games like this where he wins. So I don't know how much they'll help, but I suppose they're better than losing in that way. Yeah, I think that was justifiable, but probably not what I I would have done in that position, uh, just given the nature of your team. As for the Vikings on the way back, like, look, it kind of just felt like that was going to happen. Like, you know, to end up in a situation where you should be prepared for this. Like, uh, like you know, it's a huge emphasis in training is, you know, your two-minute drill. And yet, when they get down to the goal line and they, they have a situation with no timeouts, Kirk Cousins just looks like, oh, it's just a normal play. Just do 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 And it's just, I think he realizes after maybe 10 seconds, oh, wait, the clock is running down. This game might be over before I have a chance to do it. And then they do a quick ball. And like, look, to be fair, it was a good play by the Chargers defensive back to tip it up. And then the other guy got in and got there. But, you know, throwing a contested ball with basically no idea what your play call was, or I assume no idea what your play call is, probably not the right idea. You know, maybe something out the back end, kind of uh, low risk, but low reward type throw would have made sense. Or just spike the ball. ball. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, just do something, right? And it just it just felt like both these teams want to lose so hard, but the, the Vikings with uh, what feels like now the reverse curse thing, where obviously they won all those one-score games last year, now they're, they've lost three games by one score already this season. It's just weird. And, you know, the Chargers are lucky to finally play a team who wants to lose more than them uh, but like you know in between all 
of the stupidity, and there was some other stupidity in the first half, both teams managing to fumble the ball. There was a lot of explosive, fun football. Like, I think the Chargers in particular, you really saw Kellen Moore's offense come alive here. And as you said, Keenan Allen had himself a day, obviously still doing the Keenan Allen short stuff, but also being involved in big explosive plays and even throwing a touchdown himself, which is a, a fun little uh, quibble there. They they literally didn't bother running the ball because I presume they must have seen something in the tape that said that Brian Flores' defense is particularly weak against the pass and I imagine other teams will be looking at this and going equally explosive and Herbert was great like 40 out of 47 405 I think but he would look really really good now you know did was he clutch when it mattered not really albeit obviously the fourth and one was a run play and I think once Eckler comes back I think this they, they might actually go on a run and start winning games because I think just not having that Eckler component has been a big issue in just terms of being able to close out games because throughout most of this game I think they had a lead of one type or another I think they were by 21-10 at some point in the second half but you know the Vikings as they tend to do when they're down they just hook it up to Justin Jefferson who went for nearly 150 yards and just let him do his thing and you just saw despite the fact that the Chargers defense was making these big plays they were getting sacks they were getting turnovers they were stopping the run you just know that when the chips are down they're just going to give a big play up to a guy like Justin Jefferson and like to be fair Justin Jefferson's amazing but it kind of feels like it could have been like KG Osborne <laughs> and they probably would have given it up to him as well so it's just one of those situations where Chargers got a charge and make this a close game when it felt like they could have got away and it just feels like that's in their DNA right now but I think they're just a team if they could just go on a run of multiple wins and maybe just a couple of comfortable wins against lesser opponents then that might help steady the ship but yeah I think the issues we've had for the first two weeks where they lost both games where just the vibes around the team feel wrong aren't there as for the Vikings like I think this year was like the last Cousins year they're in effectively a rebuild particularly on the defense so I think if this year doesn't go well it just basically means that Cousins will be out the door in one capacity or another whether he gets traded early because they, if they keep losing games is a different uh, situation I don't think it's a huge issue for them in terms of long-term development this always felt like a one more year oh we made the playoffs we had all those wins one more year let's see what happens let's see if we can run it back and it doesn't look like yeah. it's going to run back anywhere so they're happy enough to move on probably once it's all over yeah like if you look at the Chargers next couple of games so they were they didn't want to fall to 0-3 they now wanted to which is fine they've got the Raiders probably missing their starting quarterback then they've got two tougher games away to the Cowboys and home to the Chiefs then they get the Bears and the Jets back to back and then they're on to the Lions and at that point you kind of hope that they if they're going to be a contender they have to be up and contending with the likes of the Lions so like you didn't want to lose this game because the stats say if, even in the 17 game era if you're 0-3 your likelihood is very 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 small being able to make the playoffs but yeah they've, they've survived and minnesota look to be kind of moving on to a bit of a lost season at this point so we'll see i would imagine that they might be trying to move some pieces later on new orleans at green bay up next 17 to 18 boy this one was close wasn't it jordan love decided to take a nap for the first three quarters but then woke up in the fourth quarter and decided it was time to play he had 298 yards two touchdowns and an interception which gave them 18 unanswered fourth quarter points to steal his first home win after what had been a very 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 bad day for the Packers offense against this New Orleans D. Carr was 103 yards and a touchdown but like then he kind of he was like fine this is the thing Derek Carr is constantly just fine <laughs> like he kind of has the occasional deep shot and then mediocre in the rest of the stuff but then obviously as I said he went out and Winston came in he had a couple of he kind of got stuff going a little bit on drives, but wasn't able to finish them off, kind of losing focus and stuff. And it just didn't really work out for them. Got them all the way down. They missed a field goal at the end. Like, it was just not great for them. Their run game wasn't really going anywhere. Chris Olave was still 
doing well. He had 100 yards in this game. But the run game is crying out for Kamara to come back. Thankfully, they're getting him back this week. So that's the hope. It was a bad loss for them because they were sitting, as we said, 17 to nothing, thinking this is great. They're kind of coasting towards it. But then yeah, touchdown. 3 and 3-0, like. Yeah, 3-0. and That's not an exactly murderer's row down there as well in the NFC South. So, like, they would have had a, had a decent shot. We'll see. We'll see. Kamara coming back might help them. Yeah, like from the Green Bay perspective, it's not great that it took this long to get going. But once they started going, they were humming. The touchdown play was great. The two-point conversion was phenomenal. I must say that was really, really, really impressive. And I like you could see the bits in the game that were working for Love. And again, look, we said this last week. The same was true again. Missing their top wide receiver, missing their top running back, and they were still able to get some stuff going. Now, like I said, very, very restricted to the fourth quarter for the most part. And maybe some of this is discipline from the New Orleans side as well that they kind of thought we've been stomping them we kind of can take our eye off the ball a little bit and that's kind of a coaching concern and maybe New Orleans need to work on that a little bit more Green Bay sneaked the win they needed the win New Orleans will be disappointed because this one definitely should have been theirs they let it slip through their fingers I think if you're New Orleans you're going to be very disappointed but we'll focus on the positive first and, and obviously Love make sure he wins in Lambeau on his maiden trip home so that's good for him and obviously people will forget how it happened in, in, in the record books but he'll be happy to move on like Jordan Love he's a little bit up and down as I said he's more like a Brett Favre than, a, than Aaron Rodgers like Aaron Rodgers is obviously an explosive player but he was always very careful with the ball he, he didn't tend to throw like wayward uh, interceptions and stuff like that over the course of his career. Whereas uh, obviously Brett Favre was just a, you know, casino machine, just like heave it up, see what happens type of thing. And I think Jordan Love is showing more of those characteristics. Now, I think he's been benefited hugely by existing within the LaFleur, Shanahan, whatever type system, which I think does give him some open reads, which does simplify things down for him. And he's, he's doing a good fist within that system. But you do see that given the wide receiver talent that they have, that they don't really have that many guys wide open. So even when they, you know, you saw like warning signs for New Orleans in the third quarter and early in the fourth quarter where, you know, some of those contested catches could have been touchdowns, particularly the way to give one of to uh, Jaden Reed, but they weren't coming off. And it kind of just felt like that kind of day for Green Bay where they, they weren't getting the easy stuff, the run game wasn't really going and they'll definitely be much better once they get Aaron Jones back in there to help out AJ Dillon. Uh, they end up using Patrick Taylor a lot as well, who doesn't look much better. So I think you know, once they have the run game going, that will help a lot. But pass game, Christian Watson will obviously add something there. But, you know, with Dubs and Reed and uh, Musgrave and Wicks, it, it's fine. But there's just no one there who's going to break open for you. And to be fair, you know, even when they do break open, it kind of feels like, you know, Love's capacity to connect with them on those kind of more difficult throws can be a bit hit and miss. I think there was a big chance to uh, Musgrave at one point, which he basically just yeah. missed down the middle. So I think Love... Like, obviously, he's he's technically a fourth-year player, but basically a rookie. And if he was just a normal rookie, you'd be like, no, this is promising, this looks good, let's move forward. But uh, it's a little more complicated because of that whole, you know, weird situation, uh, given he's been there for so long. I think you'll take what you did. And he is a threat with his legs, so he does offer you some dynamism there. And I think Green Bay, they're, they're a solid team dealing with a lot of injuries. And to get a win like this is important, but they'll definitely want to improve from here. Yeah, as for the Saints, like, I think... I think you pretty much nailed it. Like Derek Carr is Derek Carr. It feels like 
uh, every uh, second uh, snap is a it's either a, it's a, either a sack or an explosive play. Uh, presumably, you know, could either or depending on how much time he's giving. The offensive line is solid, so there's not that much excuse. I suppose the run game is a little bit treadbare at the moment between Kendra Miller and Tony Jones. Neither of them really stood up. So as you say, Kamara coming back, maybe that can add the explosive element. People were very high in him in the preseason in terms of how he looked. But look, they have they have elements there. Chris Olave is continuing to build on his impressive rookie campaign, went over 100 yards here. And Michael Thomas, while not spectacular, is kind of fulfilling um, maybe a lesser version of his slant ball reputation he had like six catches here on nine targets for 50 yards so he's a you know he's contributing at least you'd love to see some of the other guys maybe mark more of a contribution like juan johnson or rashid shaheed who's usually good for, for explosive he had a good, he had a good return in this game didn't he yeah in special teams he did but i mean more on the offense so like he is he's always good for an explosive play but you'd love to see maybe more of them i don't know yeah, yeah. that's just one of those like monkey paw wishes like you're allowed one explosive play uh, like a game or something like that you're the most explosive player ever but you can only do one once a game but look i think for them their defense is solid their offense is solid they're in a weak division so i think like their goal which is to win the nfc south and they get knocked out in the wild card is still very much within their grasp but i think with Jameis winston they'll in- introduce an element of chaos there that maybe uh, would not be welcome but look dennis allen is doing a really good job with this defense as i say they're now a whole bunch of games in a row where they've kept the opposing team under 20 points so that bit is working and if you keep doing that unless you're last year's Denver Broncos, you will probably win enough games to be playoff relevant. Not perhaps in the way which is the most exciting for the outside observer. Jordan Love so far, obviously they, kind of, they, they beat the Bears, they've beaten one here. He's not been stellar in his performances, but you would kind of look at it and kind of go, like you said, he did that weird deal in the offseason where he didn't kind of get the extension. He got a weird kind of like some incentives added onto his deal and stuff. Like at the moment, I would say he's on track to be kept on by the Green Bay Packers after this year given the current contract situation i don't see why they wouldn't but whether he's done enough to secure like being the you know made the franchise quarterback and no competition we'll see but i think given how bad it could have been and given that his cameos in previous years when asked to come in haven't been great i think he has he does look improved and i think lafleur is learning to to work with the what he has there i think he does follow lafleur's system fairly well he just needs to cut out the kind of bonehead i just don't know how much he reads the game well himself in a personal capacity yeah kind of takes off to the next level next up indianapolis at baltimore 22 to 19 in overtime and how did we get to overtime oh yeah it's right Right, that scrub Justin Tucker missed a 61-yard like field goal. Justin Tucker, am I right? <laughs> but the end of this one is that Indianapolis is gay. Gay caps an absolutely perfect day. Five out of five on his field goals, including a 53-yard winner after the Tucker miss at 61 yards in what was, frankly, a very, very crappy weather, sloppy, rainy, messy crap for a game to be playing in. Lamar looked all right, 300 yards, two touchdowns. He did have a fumble, but he was kind of moving back to running a good bit more. Like, whenever the O broke down, he kept kind of going straight off to the running and i'm not sure particularly this like a little bit later on in the career whether that's the best idea and also just from a franchise perspective for baltimore given his injury history whether you want him on a sloppy like week three game against indianapolis him to be putting his body out there that kind of way i wouldn't be i wouldn't be hoping to see too much of that gardner Minshew obviously in for indianapolis with the injury to anthony richardson the concussion but he was quite effective in this game he had 227 yards and a touchdown didn't do everything you'd want to see and there was a couple of couple of deep shots that were maybe a little bit awry in this that could have been a little bit tighter but for a backup quarterback came in did well got the job done got them into field goal territory for the most part obviously getting the one touchdown but yeah moss kind of carried most of the load for them 122 yards in this one and their defense was 
given that we were expecting them to not be very good, they haven't showed themselves to be of a high quality of late. Two two fumbles, four sacks, six tackles for a loss. That's a pretty decent outing, particularly in a wet day like this and against a, quite a mobile quarterback. Promising for Indianapolis, particularly if you think that like them with Anthony Richardson would give them a little bit more edge, give them a few more things they can do and also probably lean closer towards what they had as a game plan coming into the season. So like this is a good win for them and the route from here would be up. For Baltimore, this was a little bit sloppy, a little bit going back to the Baltimore of old. There's a lot of forcing the ball in into Mark Andrews and stuff like that going on that reminds you an awful lot more of the, the older, the Mars not that good a passer kind of stuff coming back in. So maybe... Maybe that's a factor of the horrible elements in the game and stuff and just a necessity, but I don't think what we saw from Baltimore here is a scheme or or, or a strategy that's going to win a lot of games. Like, this wouldn't stack up against most of the teams in their division. This wouldn't stack up against what we would call playoff caliber teams. So hopefully it's just a blip on the radar for Baltimore rather than an indicator of where they're going to be for the rest of the season. Baltimore will be very disappointed with this loss, I think. Especially early on, they looked like the better team uh, by far, but they just kept making mistakes. They had uh, two fumbles, uh, one by Lamar. Uh, one uh, by Kenyon Drake when he was on an explosive play at the time. A uh, botched nap that also led to a punt uh, in this game. So I think there's a lot of mistakes there that basically undermined kind of... They were pretty good on their first drive and they were decent at drive at the end. But it just kind of felt in the middle they just weren't quite clicking. They weren't quite putting together. The new offense under Munkin, I think, is an improvement over what they had previously in terms of the passing game. But it does still uh, seem to rely a lot on the... Uh, kind of college elements those kind of quick outs you know almost pseudo screen type plays uh, to wide receivers you kind of would like to see maybe some of the more over the middle elements like to mark andrews and stuff come back though i'm not sure how healthy andrews is really at the moment he doesn't look quite fully 100 i think that's a big issue for baltimore in general obviously i think obj missed this game uh, dealing with injuries like obviously i think uh, gus edwards went out in the middle of this game with concussion so they were relying on like melvin gordon and Kenyon drake as their top two running backs that's not what they planned when they came into the season to be doing that in week three i imagine and so there's just a lot of things and a lot of injuries that mean that the even though i think it's better everything's not clicking there and i think on the defensive end as well i think they're still struggling a bit to kind of get the kind of pressure that they need to to truly disrupt what's obviously not a, an amazing uh, offense by any stretch which is obviously missing a lot of pieces itself and so you know a game which i think they definitely should have won ends up they don't because they end up missing a, a long kick that, you know, Tucker might make, you know, you expect over 50% maybe with Tucker over a 61-yarder. Uh, that's how much respect we'd be in, even in the rain. Whereas the other guy, Matt Gay, hits all of his kicks and a lot of them were over 50 yards, I believe, as well. And so it's just those kind of small margins that end up going against them um, in a game which they probably would have been uh, preferred to do, but due to injuries and circumstance and bad luck, it just didn't go that way. But no, respect to Shane Sykin and the Colts, like, I think, you know, after last season, I think the biggest thing which is just kind of put a floor under this team, return to respectability and take advantage of the fact that, you know, it wasn't a talent pleaded team. There was talented players at most levels of the team uh, to some extent or another. And I think what you see here is obviously Anthony Richardson misses game, so Minshew comes in. And while you did see some of the Minshew wandering around, looking for a play, doing some stuff, and that mostly he got away with, what you saw more of was Minshew getting rid of the ball quickly. Because it looked like, obviously, that Baltimore are used to the kind of Minshew magic bullshit type play, uh, where he runs around a lot. But I think uh, Sykin managed to get him to minimize that. And you saw Minshew take a lot of quick throws to guys like Pittman, uh, which was not the most exciting play, but it was effective. And of course, when the run game is 
well with Zach Moss was looking good who was obviously over 100 yards here uh 4.1 a clip to 30 carries in total so that's a pretty good clip uh, given how many carries he had and given the talent around him that gave them the foundation to stay in the game stick around take advantage of the mistakes and to get a tough win so I think for the Colts they're now two and one atop their division I think they've now established that they have an identity Jonathan Taylor will see if he comes back and makes a difference or whether he's basically in the in the doghouse uh, forever uh, due to lack of culture fit maybe they do a full cam acres on it uh, but i think what you see here anthony richardson's look good enough in his first few games Minshew is obviously a really good high-end backup and they have enough here to continue to win games and potentially compete against what seems to be a, a reeling uh, set of opponents in their division they're never going to be the most exciting team but i think they're more interesting definitely when richardson's there and i think they don't have that kind of vibe around them that they did in the later reich years where um they just seem to be the team that would had had high expectations which was falling apart they're obviously a team at the start of something and i think that helps kind of regularize everything else and then they can take advantage of the fact that they have talented guys uh, like Pittman on the offense and they have talented guys like Shaq Leonard and uh, DeForest Buckner on the defense and they did enough in this game uh, the defense was pretty good and they prevented Baltimore getting those kind of big plays on defense that might have uh, swung it the other way but fine margins get the win move on from there Next up, Dallas at Arizona, 16-28. to This is definitely the upset of the week. Arizona form kind of rounded into it, and they absolutely dominated a Dallas team that looked like it didn't know what had hit them. Dobbs had 244 yards on a touchdown. He had some good work on the ground as well, particularly early on. And James Conner showed that actually this Dallas team can be ran on. He went for just shy of 100 yards on a touchdown. Yeah, and their O-line were able to just kind of stop the defense of Dallas. Micah Parsons was kept very quiet in this game. He did have a couple of plays, particularly at the tail end. For the most part, kept silent versus how he's played for the rest of the, the season. Dak had a bit of a sloppy, more old-school Dak game. 273 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. And yeah, it just, just didn't really seem to be able to, to work for them. Pollard had 122 yards in the run game. That was running okay for them but it was that kind of I'd, I'd love to see kind of a distribution chart of the yardage gains because it felt more like there was you know that that was coming off a smaller number of high yardage stuff versus like a lot of getting stuffed at the line or maybe getting one or two yards here and there including the very key fourth down fail later on in the game a particularly good job by the Arizona defense keeping City Lamb quiet so i, I I didn't get to see entirely how they were managing it. I'm not sure if they just dropped a safety on him the entire time as well to kind of keep him bracketed, but he was kept very, very quiet in this game. There was a moment in, I think it was the third quarter, where they got one very good pass off to him, and I kind of went, oh, maybe they're going to start to get moving, but it just never really materialized. And then, yeah, just kind of Arizona able to just stay solid. They were really having a lot of fun with the O-line. So as we said, Connors had his... Nearly 100 yards in the touchdown. They started running wide receivers out of the backfield for another touchdown. It was quite exciting to watch and quite concerning if you're a Dallas fan. Like Arizona, not at all what I was expecting out of them, particularly not from Dobbs. Dobbs has seemed a lot more poised and a lot more ready to go than I was expecting. I still don't think they're going to be world beaters, and I think that this might be kind of a, a one-game apparition thing but they're definitely a more solid team than we gave them credit for coming into the season Dobbs is definitely a better option than we thought he was when he was added in whatever like week four of the preseason to come in join their QB room I will eat my words on I, I, I sat Connor in fantasy because I went well James Connor don't I've never massively rated him like I think he's he's decent but I don't think he's as good as his his, his hype is and I thought this Dallas defense was going to come in and, and cause some issues now because it wasn't all through the air either so like it's not it can't just be pointed to the the defensive back injury either like this was a Dallas team that was 
like possibly looking past this game would be my concern. They seemed like they hadn't really schemed stuff up and they just thought we can just run a vanilla package and focus on next week's game instead. But Arizona saw a chink in the armor and they struck and my God, did they strike hard because this game wasn't really ever in doubt. I don't think like Arizona just kind of had it. Arizona did not look like a team that was going to go, you know, winless this season, unless they were generally into the conspiracy of getting Caleb Williams and they were just going to make every game competitive but lose at the last moment. But I think we were all surprised to see it happen against Dallas. And I think you have to put something into the idea that Dallas weren't quite fully prepared for this game. I think obviously given what, uh, you know, the Cardinals did where they went up early and they were competitive against their two division rivals in the first two weeks, they probably should have paid them some respect uh, but in this game it just looked like yeah they weren't quite at the races i think arizona they've come out hot every single week and again it came to be that way here like arizona came out to that early lead they were up by uh, i think 21 to 10 at the half and then uh, in the second half which has been their big issue they did like punt their first two possessions and he thought okay same old story dallas will come back here and uh, that'll be the end of it. But I think there was like a Michael Wilson kind of busted coverage where he got a touchdown on that. And then, you know, that extended it out to like 16 to 28. And then you're going, oh, geez, there's not much time left here, is there? And given that Dallas had failed to convert a uh, kind of red zone situation and they'd like uh, failed to convert on downs uh, just pre like one of two drives before that I think it's kind of a situation which just kind of you always felt like you know you're kind of going Dallas are going to get this back right of course they're going to get it back and they are the more talented team so it makes sense but just every time they were getting into that mode it just felt like they made another mistake those kind of issues which they've been able to hide in recent weeks uh, obviously the first two weeks because they've been winning by so much they didn't even have to try where in the first test where McCarthy had to genuinely like pull this offense and make it work and actually come back in a game it just didn't really work it felt like still they kind of I think they kind of felt in two minds because you kind of felt that they knew their best move in terms of yardage gainage was putting the ball in Tony Pollard's hand but that was obviously not consistent with you know trying to go score points quickly because CD Lamb wasn't making much of an impact in this game they were relying a lot more on Michael Gallup who was kind of up and down he had some good plays and bad plays and it just kind of felt like Arizona were like we're going to take away CD Lamb and we're going to force you to use Michael Gallup and Brandon Cooks and it just didn't look like they had much there and there they ended up relying just handing it off to Pollard which as I said was what Arizona wanted and despite the fact that Pollard went like you know for you know a lot of yards in this game biggest issue then you're kind of going okay Dallas are a great from ahead team but we thought they were a great team just you know, full stop. But it feels now like, you know, maybe McCarthy, when the pressure is down, there's a reason why he's, you know, not a play caller and why we weren't particularly entranced with the idea of him becoming the play caller over uh, the previous OC, Kellen Moore. So I would definitely have huge concerns there. I think the bigger concern, albeit hopefully just kind of Arizona were just prepared for it or like they, well, they were playing a fairly conservative game. They were running the ball a lot. They weren't letting Dobbs hold the ball for too long was that the, you know, the pass rush from Dallas wasn't having that same impact. Once again, the game script probably wasn't helping them there, but like two sacks, six tackles for loss compared to what they've done in previous weeks. This is a pretty weak sauce stuff. And so, you know, I think Dallas have the makings of being, as I say, a really good win from ahead thing and they're a good enough team they'll probably be in that situation more often than not but people are going to look at this Arizona tape they're going to see what they did to win this game and when the best teams in the NFL look at that it feels like there are weaknesses there and like maybe Trayvon Diggs would have made the difference here in terms of like executing a big play or just making uh, Arizona a little bit more afraid and maybe the covered busted coverage wouldn't happen or whatever like that as Dallas is sorting their stuff back there and they'll forget it as they go along but you know Arizona deserved to win this game they were the better team and Dallas, after kind of being hyped up to heaven, felt like a team that looked much like when they looked at their worst last year, a team that just 
doesn't really have answers and confidence in itself when Michael Parsons isn't just kicking ass and they can't just run the ball and kind of get rid of it that way. So uh, definitely concerning signs, but uh, I wouldn't panic yet. Chalk win and deserve for the Cardinals because they probably, you know, in a different universe, they could be 3-0 and already. But I think one win in three is certainly deserving. No, of course. And obviously we're going to move as a dump off now in a second. I just do want to have a brief word about one of the games. It kind of has to be in there given the nature of it. But my God, Miami put up 70 points. Both their running backs got four... Four touchdowns each, like it's just, it's just madness. I, I still reckon that this is because the Broncos didn't give him an interview for their head coaching position. <laughs> he used to be a ball boy for them. Yeah, as well, like he grew up so. there. He was a ball boy for the team, and they didn't. His comments afterwards were like, "Well, we, you know, when asked why he didn't go for the three points at the end to to break the the, the points record, I believe he said, well, we weren't out there to, you know, uh, disrespect them or to embarrass them. It's just that just kind of happened, which I feel is even more devastating, firstly <laughs> speaking. It's like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, I just put people out there. You know, Mike White, oh, he just scored that touchdown. Robbie uh, Chosen Anderson or whatever his name is these days. Mm. I, I just happened to be way better than you uh sean payton of course and should look like i like you say every week all games are important some games are just less important and fitz is a particular fan of those types of games so i'm going to hand off to him in the dump off yes excellent and we'll start with a game very deserving of the dump off uh, status we might have had to talk this game if sean was here i think i'm happy not to but uh first up new england at the jets 15 to 10 the New England's reign of misery over the Jets continues in what was a not particularly pretty game in terms of the play calling or the weather. They kind of edged the game here, like the Jets had multiple chances at the end to somehow win this game despite the fact that Zach Wilson is terrible and is bad and he had like 155 yards and 4.54 yards uh, per attempt here and that makes it look better than it actually was for the vast majority of the game where I think at some point he basically had zero yards for a long period. The New England defense basically allowed him to do nothing. They had held him to less than 200 yards in total, most of that towards the end, and that's despite not having any turnovers. So they did get a safety uh, at the end. As for New England, like, look, the Mac attack is not particularly inspiring. 214 yards of touchdown. That The touchdown was basically on a busted coverage uh, for Farrell Brand at tight end, so I wouldn't get too excited there. Uh, but they did avoid getting sacks, although except perhaps uh, Sauce Gardner sack. Uh, that's like controversy there. And is, this I think, the, uh, is this the cupping incident? Yeah, you give a little uh, dick tap. The parlance um, we usually use is sack tap. You know, Sauce, I think, said it because he uh, he uh, retaliated a little bit when he did it. And he's like, don't find me. He's the dickhead. Uh, like, like New England, they're like uh, big concerns. Still, Ramondre Stevenson not really being productive. Zeke was the leading rusher here. He had less carries, but he went for more yards maybe in this game. So... I don't know, it's just New England, they're New England this year, they're just trying to destroy football, Bill Trelltech is just like miserably getting towards the uh, all-time coaches win record uh, without any enjoyment at all. Next up, uh, Rams at Cincinnati on Monday night, 16-19, to Burrow, 259 yards of interception, you know, kind of came together in the second half, finally got his connection with Chase going to 141 yards, which was his most yards ever in his career, surprisingly, but still looks hurt, it's still rough going it's not the prettiest thing here so most of the credit of this game really goes to the Cincinnati defense they had two interceptions both to linebacker Logan Wilson they had six sacks seven tackles for a loss they held the Rams to one out of 11 on third down so that defense was doing work here and you know Stafford who's been pretty imperious this season really struggled under those conditions when he was actually finally being put under pressure uh, he's really faltering there 269 yards a touchdown two interceptions so it's not a terrible uh, stat line but it's certainly a major step below where they were and given how much it felt like the first two weeks their kind of overperformance was based on Stafford playing out of his mind bit concerned there and obviously if he keeps getting hit 
you'd be worried about their ability to stay up and healthy for a long term. The run game didn't do anything under Kieran Williams, I think is what he was called, but like uh, that's a definitely a concern as well. But you know, the defense, you know, they were solid. Uh, but I think in the game like this, where Stafford was under such immediate pressure, having the safety blanket there of Cup would have made a huge difference because he would have be, trusted him to get those kind of dump offs and stuff like that out there quickly. But the Pukunakua, Tutu Atwell stuff is still good for some big plays, but maybe not those kind of emergency plays that Cup provides. Next up, Pittsburgh at Vegas. 23-18, Sunday Night Football. Pittsburgh's defense, once again, doing most of the work here. Three interceptions, four sacks, two of them for TJ Watt. Five tackles for a loss. Uh, Pickett was pretty slow to start, but kind of got going eventually. He had, a, I think, an explosive play early on this game that kind of got things going. 235 yards and two touchdowns, hardly anything to write home about, but better than what we've seen in the first couple of weeks. So, did enough to take advantage of the defense. The defense didn't have to score 14 points like they did last year to get it done. They, they mostly just did a good job. As for the Raiders, Jimmy G, value for concussion after this game, but was very up and down in this game. His connection with Adams is looking good. 172 yards to touch. I'm still not sure it's like the best like uh, scheme fit, but he's feeding the ball to Devontae Adams, and apparently that just works, right? It worked for Aaron Rodgers. It's working enough for Jimmy G, but everything outside of that just isn't good. He had a number, obviously, three interceptions this game. He's still a complete liability the second that he's taken off his spot. And the fact that the run game just isn't going against a very poor Pittsburgh defensive, interior defensive line without Cam Hayward. They've been giving up loads of running yards and yet Jacobs only had 62 yards here. Shout out to Josh McDaniels for his incredibly cowardly field goal when there was just over two minutes left in the clock when, why? I don't know. Like you, you, you could have, you know, kept going, get a touchdown, tie the game up and trusted your defense then. Or if you missed the four, you know, fourth down, you know, trust your defense then. But no, just go, go for the field goal and just be a coward. I think it's because he's the truest and most accurate coach to be for Vegas. Like he clearly doesn't know basic mathematics. Next up, Philly at Tampa Bay, the other Monday Night Football. I still don't like the two Monday Night Footballs, but whatever. Uh, 25 to 11, the score flatters Tampa Bay, to be perfectly frank. Philly basically dominated this game from both sides of the ball. Hurts, who apparently was playing with man flu, uh, full Michael Jordan style here. Uh, 305 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. One of those touchdowns, obviously, the, the touch push, which is controversial despite the fact other teams tried it and aren't good at it, so maybe just get good, as the Dark Souls players would say. And his connection with uh, AJ Brown was uh, at full show here, 131 yards for him. I think, you know, the good thing they've had the last couple of weeks is their run game has really come alive. Swift, another great game. Uh, not that Swift, obviously. Uh, the, the, the traitor Swift, the Taylor, uh, formerly of the Philly Eagles uh, fan, the fandom. Uh, this is DeAndre Swift, 138. Uh, so as long as his knees don't explode, uh, he seems a really good fit for this team and uh, long may it continue because uh, he's a, a player I, I like to see he's fun Baker on the other hand not a terrible game 148 touchdown interception he just looked like this Philly defense just had his offensive line completely overwhelmed and he did what he could with that but basically had no offense outside like a really fun catch by Mike Evans towards the end of the game where he basically was kind of getting swan legged for a while uh, before managing to get his feet down uh, the fact that you have no run game or shot white is definitely a concern and you know the defense is working okay but there's only so much they can do. Uh, Houston at Jacksonville 37-17. Underrated that Houston are actually a bit of a bogey team for Jacksonville and they restored that after getting stunked uh, by Jacksonville towards the end of last year. Really Jacksonville beat themselves though. You don't play it yourself. They, they, they missed a field goal early. They had a field goal blocked early. They fumbled the ball. They had a drop early on that kind of let Houston build up a nice uh, lead and then when it looked like Jacksonville might be getting back in they allowed a, a special teams re return touchdown from a fullback Andrew Beck it wasn't even the expect he wasn't even the planned returner he just picked that ball up and he went full fullback uh, so it was fair beautiful play to, to watch beautiful to you watch. know uh, you know just seeing a wild stallion a, well more like a wild bull I suppose as for Lawrence 290 yards touchdown interception like the yards were there but the mistakes just kept 
chopping him down. I think if you're Houston, Stroud, 182 yards and two touchdowns, that's good to see. I don't think he's had a spectacular game yet, but this was nice and composed. Obviously, from a good position when you're ahead. Steep play balls to uh, Tank Dell or Nathaniel Dell. I forget which one he goes by, but both are used. 145 yards and touchdown. Very nice to see from a rookie. He's a threat deep and in the red zone, so good. To, he's a good uh, element to their uh, pass offense. And he hasn't thrown any interceptions yet, Stroud, albeit the fact they lost their first two games. So, you know, there, there's something there, I think, that you can build around. We'll see if it's sustainable in the long run. Uh, next up, uh, Carolina at Seattle, 27-37. to Seattle kind of pulled away late in this game. Uh, mainly because Seattle were dominating both trenches. Like, their offensive line, which is basically down to two starters. And I think one went out for a lot of this game. Bullying, a kind of, to be fair, injured Panthers defense. And the defensive line was getting a decent amount of pressure on Dalton. Dalton he, did good, he did a good job of adjusting, as we're talking in the moment. So what, despite all those injuries, Seattle did well. And they got a bit of help from the, the fans, the 12s, who... Uh, Carolina had eight false starts, which I imagine was mostly on the OL and not Dalton. Um, there was a there was a lot of the the left tackle just kept every time he tried to go and make an adjustment at the line, he just hopped straight away thinking that it was the initial call. Like the the, the crowd made a huge difference in that game. Gino was solid after a, a poor start, uh, 296 yards of touchdown. Kenneth Walker was really the star because of the offensive line doing the work, 150 yards two touchdowns. He's such a boom and bust uh, running back, but the the booms are, are pretty exciting. And Zach Charbonnet uh, didn't do too much in this game, uh, but he did a nice stiff arm, so he could be the uh, you know the thunder to, to Walker's lightning. We'll see how that emerges as the year goes on. Dalton, 3-6-1 and two touchdowns, so he wasn't the problem. He was actually pretty good. And I think he just looked like a more, like a veteran quarterback who was comfortable with pressure coming on and just like getting out of the pocket or doing a quick pass. Uh, Adam Thielen was the main beneficiary, nearly 150 yards and a touchdown. But it wasn't enough because there's just so many injuries accumulated on the team and they're so, I think they're kind of talent deficient anyway, that Seattle just about managed to kind of race away at the end. Definitely concerns there that Dalton looks so much better than Bryce Young. Atlanta, Detroit, 6-20. to uh, This game flatters Detroit a little bit on the scoreline. Detroit, uh, they got back in track mainly because they suffocated Atlanta mostly. Uh, they kind of took away B. John Robinson, who was held only 60 yards in this game, made Ritter do it, and outside of some maybe flashes at points, Ritter did not stand up to the scrutiny. He had only around 200 yards and he fumbled the ball as well. So I think Detroit are just a better team with more elements, uh, although they, they have their own deficiency due to injuries and suspensions as well. And Atlanta will just expose, I think, that they're just not in that tier with Detroit. And I think that's good because we want Detroit to be in that tier. Goff, 2-4-3, touchdown interception. You obviously would have liked to avoid the interception, but it was mostly solid, mostly relying on Amon Ra, who had 100 yards. But Paul Laporta, the tight end, had some good cameos as well. Big touchdown for him during this game as well. So, you know, I don't think Detroit did anything spectacular, but they're defense kind of made sure that they were always looking like they were going to win seven sacks 11 tackles for a loss and obviously the, the fumble as well so solid win for Detroit would move on from there hopefully they continue to rack up those uh, W's uh, Tennessee at Cleveland 3 to 27 oh boy Tennessee after a cameo against the Chargers back to being absolute shifts never trust the game against the Chargers to say how good a team is basically Cleveland's defense basically absolutely annihilated uh, Tannehill and Henry from the face of the earth less than 150 yards allowed in total five sacks three and a half for Miles Garrett who is playing out of his skin at the moment nine tackles for a loss it's just it's just too easy basically like uh Deronder Hopkins had 48 yards that's the most yards of any player on that team Watson better 289, two touchdowns. Uh, I don't really want them to be better, so whatever. Uh, Cooper doing most of the work, 116. But I think, you know, the fact that their uh, pass attack had to pick up the slack, the run game didn't do much, and that was against the Tennessee defense, which at times can look very effective, probably helps. The fact that Tennessee were giving them a bunch of free first downs on flags uh, also helped. But uh, we'll see if Cleveland, like their defense is legit. If their offense can get into mediocre, even with, uh, after losing to Chubb, they probably are a factor in the playoff hunt. 
Uh, Thursday night football, Giants at Phantom, San Francisco, 12-30. to 30, uh, Basically, San Francisco wiped Giants off the map. Debo at over 100 yards and a touchdown. CMC at over 100 yards and a touchdown. Kittle nearly had 100 yards. Purdy didn't even start that well in this game, but by the end he had 310 yards and two touchdowns. and They basically just were better. Basically, Danny Dimes had less than 100 yards and he had the true interception as well. There was a shot going around on social media where... Danny Dimes had full Manning face, where he just looked at the defense and looked like he had no idea what was going on. San Francisco D held it to less than 170 total, and without Saquon, there's just very little going on with this thing. Buffalo at Washington, 37-3. Buffalo, week one, well in the back uh, mirror at this point. Uh, they got four picks from Howell, who had a pretty horrible game. This will be a lot of hard lessons for him uh, from this. Uh, Buffalo also packed on a fumble, nine sacks, ten tackles for a loss. They basically allowed only one conversion on third down. They uh, didn't allow them to score on either of the red zone attempts. Washington, uh, it's just dominance. Uh, Allen, 264 yards, two touchdowns, interception. It was a balanced game because Cook had over 100 yards as well. And it was better for them. He drew an arm punt uh, pick, uh, which I suppose is fine. And the Washington defense had zero sacks. So I think Buffalo are back on track. But we will obviously have bigger tests ahead to see where they fit into the elite of the AFC table. Next up, Chicago at Kansas City, 10-41. to 41. A fairly swift victory here as uh, the cameraman sent us to oh, see what you time. did there. Yeah, uh, there will be more coming, don't worry, Connor. Yeah, the camera spent as much time looking at uh, Taylor Swift as it did at the actual action, it felt like, and for good reason, because this game was pretty much over before it began. 34-0 uh, to zero at the half. Mahomes made a cameo in the second half to throw his wingman. A nice little touchdown, 69 yards for Kelsey. Nice, uh, very appropriate. And outside of doing some uh, scientific experiments to prove that the the refs are biased against Siobhan Taylor and uh, not really much else to report for uh, Kansas City despite the fact they're way better than Chicago and Chicago's defense is terrible. As for Justin Fields, truly awful game, 146 yards touch interception, most of that late on, truly garbage of garbage time, just did not look, know what he was doing at all, it felt like. A lot of bad blood obviously in Chicago right now but we'll see if they can shake it off. Um, <laughs> Finally, the, as referenced, annihilation, humiliation, evisceration, whatever you want to call it, Denver at Miami, 20 to 70. Oh my God, this was just absolute carnage. There's a, a shot that was going around social media of a play towards the end of the game where it's just like six Denver players on their back, utterly defeated, as I think Achan was going for. So he's just running away from them, and it's just like, oh. Oh my god, this is like the, after the Battle of Gettysburg or something like that. I don't know what's going on here. But, you know, Miami, they obviously have the most yards ever on offense. I think technically there's another team in like the 50s who scored more if you include special teams. And they were obviously one field goal away from, I think he's either breaking or, re or matching the all-time points record. So just absolutely ridiculous. And as I mentioned, Mike McDaniel said after, we weren't out there to embarrass them. That's why we didn't take the field goal. We just kept calling play. It just kept working. And it's just like, ouch. Of course, Sean Payton... Not the most pleasant man or the most uh, humble man. His comments afterwards uh, were not. There are, uh, there are a few coaches you'd rather see it happen to. Yeah. And look, look, Achan went for over 200 yards and four touchdowns. Moser went over 100 yards and four touchdowns. Hill went over 100, yeah, oh, nearly 100, over 150 yards and a touchdown. Tua had four touchdowns. It's just like touchdown, 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 touchdown. It was just humiliating. And like, look, Russell Wilson was there early in the game, I am told. He, he did have a touchdown and he had over 300 yards, apparently. It was his uh, best performance it, so far. Yeah. <laughs> they lost by 50 points. <laughs> it didn't matter. And I think, you know, for Miami, they are genuinely looking scary now, unless they're playing against Bill Belichick's defense. And big concerns there because like they didn't have the run game last year they have this type of run game and their type of pass game that might be unstoppable as for denver like they just have to forget this game happened they just were dominated by a, a superior force yes, i think i think we do have to ask the question though is like 
Yes, the Dolphins are incredibly good. Is it possible that just the Broncos completely suck ass? Definitely a part. I think the defense is now going into full-on pants territory, which is concerning considering it was still it was still a strength last year. Like the offense is actually better this year. Like I know it hasn't been great, but it's definitely better than the. the oh, it is. Era. Yeah, like nine points a game for the first couple of games last year. So like, uh, but the, de- the defense has fallen off a cliff. I don't know. Just like you know, they're running out the Vance Joseph defense, which is like derived from the Vic Fangio defense, and like Mike McDaniel just had a meeting with Vic Fangio, obviously the, the Miami DC, and went. Tell me what all the weaknesses of your defense are. And then he just like matrixed up what to do to defeat it. <laughs> and Tyreek Hill seemed to be getting uh, free at will early on this game. I remember, they didn't even have Jalen Waddle in this game. Just, yeah, he wasn't even Oh my there. God. And the, 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 the one that surprised me the most as well was just like, it was how quick Hill was down the field. Because Tua, it felt like he was getting the ball out almost instantaneously. But <laughs> he was getting the ball out instantaneously and Tyreek Hill was already 17 yards down the field. <laughs> part way into this game like doing no look shovel pass TDs just just for the crack yeah scary times for other teams if Miami are genuinely able to keep running the ball this well as well as having that pass game so that'll wrap up the the dump off I suppose and we'll move on and have a look at the games for next week okay so first up we've got Thursday Night Football Detroit travelling down to Green Bay to take on Jordan Love and the Packers me and Ronan have gone for Detroit Sean in absence has gone for Green Bay so these are two teams that obviously have a number of injuries Detroit have quite a chunk of players who are out at the moment Green Bay are hoping to have a few of them back I believe the running back is due back this game uh, at least hope yeah so that's that's the big hope for them so the question is will Love have his first loss at home Lambeau for Green Bay to follow up a very quick follow up from his uh, first win in Green Bay this Detroit team seemed to get its stuff together a good bit last week the defensive line was doing a huge amount of disruption and that did seem to be something that would cause Love problems in the game that just went by so hopefully that might be able to help out the Detroit side now the, the question is this Detroit offense, what version are we going to get? Because we've seen over the last two weeks why they wanted Montgomery there for half the snaps. Like Gibbs is exciting whenever he breaks free in that, but he isn't solid thunder guy. He's not when you need three yards, the guy you're going to turn to because he's getting hit in the backfield a good bit beforehand. So there's a hope that he might be back, but that's, you know, that's a bit of a question for them. They have been getting good performances out of wide receivers. Josh Reynolds, was basically he had no catches last week but he did come into the game with a questionable designation and ended up playing but probably playing through an injury so you gotta hope that maybe that was what was holding him back in that game and they'll get a bit more use out of him and this is a Green Bay defense that has been a little bit more stout but does lack a little bit in the backfield so I think probably getting the pass game early is going to be important for Detroit in this one. This is a game I should be more excited for but just the injuries have kind of sapped uh, like a bit of the strength from both teams. Yeah. I think for Detroit they're so reliant on Amon Ra right now I feel like just to kind of be the kind of go-to guy for Jared Goff. They did they are getting some promising early returns from a tight end. Not what, something you usually see with rookie tight ends with Sam Laporta and hopefully they continue to build on that. But yeah, you're saying you're relying on Josh Reynolds being healthy to kind of be your your next option or just a bunch of other guys to kind of chip in it feels like and i think there's enough there that they could certainly win and they're just a more talented team overall obviously further to the development that you would still prefer them to win but it's probably gonna be a lot closer than it would be if detroit were at their full strength so we don't know will they have their full offensive line components back here of detroit we don't know if david montgomery might play it's a short week so it's probably less likely than, than likely so yeah you you would really love to see someone like jameer gibbs have a big game here to kind of secure detroit uh, like a the kind of offensive uh, consistent offensive production that they really need to have i feel like to kind of win games like this as for green bay i think aaron jones in week one was the big x factor that he had he really made a 
huge difference there over 100 yards and they've really missed them the last couple of weeks you feel like just to be that kind of secure element not only in the run game because I think you know AJ Dillon's just been very uninspiring but particularly in the in the past game I think it's just been that he was at safety valve for Jordan Love in the first game that they've like they've just you kind of feel like Love is just throwing those over the shoulder balls to his wide receivers and they they're explosive when they work but they they're not working at a high enough rate to be really the base on which you build the rest of your offense and look you know Joe Barry's defense continues to be a disappointment uh, it always is on the Green Bay uh, but they are talented enough and you're seeing Rashawn Gary getting more snaps week on week after coming back from his ACL injury so it's a very close game. It's hard to call, especially on a close week, but I want Detroit to win, so I'm willing to give them the advantage here, even in Lambeau. First of the London games is up next. Atlanta at Jacksonville. I've gone for Atlanta. You guys have gone for Jacksonville. Uh, Jacksonville look faltering a little bit of late, not looking quite up to what the preseason hopes for them were, particularly their defense hasn't been looking particularly strong. And they were having, as you mentioned in the in the dub-off there, they had blocks blocked field goals, dropped passes. In the Chiefs game, they were kind of overthrowing every touchdown pass by six inches to a, to a foot. So hopefully they'll be able to get that uh, squared away by the time they get in here. Atlanta, on the other hand, got, just got shut down by the Lions. But, you know, the problem is this Jacksonville D, is it going to be set up to stop the run the same way? Robinson's going to hopefully get himself going. And that should make for quite an exciting game in in London. And then obviously, you know, even more exciting will be at the one the following week. So that'll really get people hyped. But I think the big one for me looking at this and the reason I'm skewing towards Atlanta is that I'm not massively trusting of the running game in Jacksonville. I think Tank Bigsby came in and did a little bit of goal line work for them. And maybe they need to get a bit more of a mix going between them. But Lawrence has looked a little bit off. And I think traveling over, particularly on a weekend where there's basically a storm warning across the place, <laughs> to hope that like players in a new time zone playing in bad weather conditions are going to be able to get a run game going. I'm not sure I trust this being the game to get that right. And this Atlanta defense has looked a little bit better of late, whereas the Atlanta run game is something I do trust. I think they're going to have, they're now going to have a third one because I think Cordero Patterson is going to be back as well. So like they're going to have a multi-headed option in the backfield. I don't think they're going to look for Ritter to do too much. And I think Atlanta are going to try and just hammer this away, old school football style. And Jacksonville's response is going to be trying to go to the air and I'm just I'm not sure I trust them to go to the air in this game I think it's definitely a concern for Jacksonville their defense has been pretty mediocre so far I would say like you know there's definitely issues with their defense but I think Josh Allen Trayvon Walker they're big guys coming off the edge like maybe that's part of the reason why they're not successful as pass rushers. but in terms of stopping the run you would think that would help and against the run they haven't been terrible in early goings uh, against running backs at least so if they could just shut up B. John Robinson if they just like focus in on that and go beat us Desmond Ritter in tough conditions as you say and on a, an early clock and stuff like that I just don't really have that confidence in Desmond Ritter to get it done. I just think teams are going to fully challenge Desmond Ritter to beat them. Basically, we take a big Bijan, you try and beat us otherwise by passing to Kyle Pitts and Drake London. And so I think Jacksonville, despite the fact their defense isn't the most dynamic and not great, I think it's uh, truly uh, passing teams. I think against a one-dimensional team like Atlanta, they might be able to get enough there done defense to keep this a low-scoring game. And on the offensive side, not a great game against the Chiefs, so their defense is looking pretty good. And last week, like, look, I, I think obviously wasn't great but it felt like the mistakes were self-imposed if they could just cut out the dumb mistakes avoid the turnovers and stuff like that 
and the special team goofs, then I think they would have been fine last year. They were producing the yards. They were getting yards here. And with Calvin Ridley, obviously revenge game, etc. Uh, revenge for his own idiocy. Then obviously there's a little bit of X factor there. So I expect he'll be uh, try to feed the ball to him. You know, I think Etienne Bigsby hasn't been quite what we would have liked in the run game, but I think they have enough there. So I'm going to trust Jacksonville to get it done in their quote-unquote home stadium, their home from home. But yeah, like it's been a bit disappointing from them, but Atlanta, they're so one-dimensional. I'm, I don't have confidence in them, even if their defense does manage to keep this a low-scoring game. Uh, next up, Rams at Indianapolis, two teams that have been overperforming the preseason expectations for themselves. Richardson should be back in this game, which will add a couple more wrinkles to their offense, maybe make them a little bit more exciting. But is he actually a huge amount better than Minshew at the moment? We'll see. We haven't really gotten a proper innings of him to, to, to see whether or not he is. Stafford's had a bad game, but can he kind of get back on track here against an Indianapolis defense that equally is a, is kind of surprised us a bit and has been doing an awful lot more than we were expecting. This is a Rams team that has a very explosive passing game. They found a lot in these kind of lesser known players who've kind of exploded onto the scene versus Indy's going to hopefully get their ground game going. Rams are on the road in this one, so that's a bit of a help for Indianapolis. But I got to feel like the Rams after a disappointing week three are going to want to get themselves back on track and this is we talked about it in the in the review of Indy's game in week three this is a team that is building a decent floor the Rams have if everything goes right a much higher ceiling if they can get that pass game going and if they can get Stafford back on track I can see the argument for the Rams being the team in this spot I've sided with Indy just because I think they might be able to keep what they were doing the last time, just keep solid. This Rams team has high performance, but brittle written all over it to me. And if Indy can just hang in there, and particularly if they can get Richardson moving on the ground and tire them out a little bit, I think we could be potentially in for a high-scoring game. I hope so. I'm not as confident in that, but uh, like Matt Stafford's been playing really well, uh, especially the first two weeks. Bit of a down game. Last time when the other defense got really aggressive, we'll see if Indianapolis are willing to cook up a more aggressive approach on the defense and kind of test Stafford and see if he trusts Pukunakua and Tutu Atwell enough to kind of do those emergency passes to them or Higby potentially maybe a factor but I'm willing to give a little more I'll give it one more week to see if the Ram like maybe they've been figured out but we'll see on the defensive side like the Rams defense has overformed expectations but you know, I think you can still see a defense that that's not, you know, I think Richardson is a dynamic playmaker. He'll probably make a few big plays with his feet. He just needs to slide and then avoid the injuries again. Two weeks now where he's picked up an injury, I'll be in the first week uh, very late in the game. Whether he's better than Minshew, I think he is better than Minshew. He's got a better arm. I think he actually has better pocket presence to a certain extent, I actually think. He just, and he's obviously much more dynamic as a rusher, but I think, you know, Minshew just has more experience, right? He's just, uh, he, he's able to make a few plays that maybe he can't kind of uh, based on savvy. And uh, I think with Minshew, you can see that they've dialed things back, played it as safe as possible last week. And mm-hmm. maybe that was helping them a little bit there and just relying on their defense. But, you know, I, they're both overperforming. They're both teams who are not quite sure how good they're going to turn out for the rest of the season. So it's very close to call. I've gone for the Rams, but yeah, I think it's a uh, coin flip game for me. Yeah, next up, Pittsburgh at Houston. Stroud's been looking pretty decent for Houston. They do seem to have something in their quarterback there. But the question is, can he stay upright against this very vicious Pittsburgh pass rush? This is just top to bottom, a very good defense from Pittsburgh. The concerns for them are going to be on the offense. They've not really gotten anything going. And, you know, not, not, not dissimilar to what we were talking about in the Saints. Like, this is a... Pittsburgh have a defense of a level that if you can get 20 points, you've got a good shot at a game. This is a depleted Houston defense. We mentioned that they're missing cornerback. They're already down a couple of players. They're already playing a load of rookies. Like, this is the team that you should be able to get your offense rolling against Pittsburgh. 
do it and make sure that we can kind of consider you as being a potential playoff team if that's who you want to be considered. If you can't get it done here, it's going to be tough to see if their offense could do anything against anyone. Next up, Cincinnati at Tennessee. We've gone for Cincinnati across the board, Ronan. Burrow was playing. He wasn't playing great, but he was playing this week. And we got to wonder, are Cincinnati risking a huge amount by having him playing at this point? I know they don't have a ton when it comes to backups in that quarterback room, but this is a Tennessee defensive line that can get after the quarterback. You can't let him get hit you have to be careful with them and this could be a spot where that happens the other side of this is that Cincinnati defense was basically the reason they won last week can they keep that pressure up because this is a Tennessee offense that we've got no faith in massively we saw the slowdown starting to happen in King Henry he didn't have a great game last week they don't have a ton of weapons on the outside and you've got you know, you've got quality on this Cincinnati defense at all three levels. So the defense needs to step up and the offensive line needs to keep Burrow clean and they need to write a game plan to make sure that Burrow's not in his back because you cannot have him getting hit, particularly when he's still recovering from the calf injury. Probably not going to be a particularly entertaining game, but it does feel like a sliding doors game, right? Like I think they, they got off the schneid, uh, Cincinnati, they got their win, in, they gutted it out and they're hoping to build on that and stay within reach of the playoff positions as hopefully Burrow gets more healthy. But obviously, as you say, you're putting him into a, against a defensive line here, which even last week when they were getting their absolute butts kicked, uh, was still getting some pressure on Deshaun Watson. And obviously, famously, we're absolutely hammering the crap out of uh, Cincinnati a couple of years ago in the playoffs. It's kind of concerning there. And Burrow just is not healthy. And can he stay healthy when you're putting him through this kind of, you know, rigor every week you know i think they know they have a better chance of burrow in there than, than jake browning so they're just gonna risk it and see what happens by the end of the year but yeah i would be very nervous about the situation as it develops as for tennessee after you know getting their free win against the chargers because chargers got a charge the offense went back to being an absolute pumpkin and you do have to wonder here like Tannehill and Henry how long are they going to keep with this system how long are they going to trust the old reliables with an offensive line that is doing nothing for them they're obviously getting older not really doing much and you know is a change going to have to come down the road at some point for Tennessee and the more and more deeper they go into being under 500 the more likely that feels like so I think for Cincinnati we were going to trust them the team that has a record of winning to get it done but look Tennessee they could definitely gut a win out of here but it's going to be pretty ugly all around no matter what happens I feel like. Tampa Bay at New Orleans being you've gone from New Orleans Sean's gone for Tampa Bay kind of a battle of a defense is here really Cars out Kamara is back so this New Orleans offense is like we discussed it a little bit earlier like I don't think it's a huge downgrade from Carr to, to, to Winston. Like, I don't think it's, it's it's killer. Kamara being back is a huge plus for them. We'll just have to see what kind of shape he's in and if he's ready to, 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 to get going straight away. Baker Mayfield has kind of done the best he can with this Tampa Bay team, and that has resulted at times in very explosive plays. We saw last week when it kind of starts to break down a little bit as good as some of those catches were, like in particular that Mike Evans one-handed jumping up over the, the defender, like those balls were not placed particularly well. Like he needs to be a little bit more accurate and this New Orleans defense is probably going to challenge him more than that. So we got to ask, what's the ceiling on this Tampa Bay offense against this New Orleans defense? Will they be able to break the 20 point mark? Because I think they might have to, particularly if Kamara's back in any kind of form. Like, I would like to think that, but I, I, my feeling is this is going to be another uh, important but not particularly enjoyable game for the uh, neutral. I kind of feel like that both defences have been the, the main strength of both these teams. I don't see any reason why the Baker Mayfield offence will 
explode here. I think Mike Evans has been really good. Godwin has made some contributions, but they have no run game. Their offensive line is still a bit of an issue, and you kind of feel like Dennis Allen, he's gone, I think, 11 games now, allowing less than 20 points, and this doesn't feel like the game. But, like, you know, these NFC side games can be a little bit weird and wonky, so maybe. As for New Orleans, yeah, like, I suppose James Winston is probably a downgrade. You'll probably see more of the Taysom Hill package as well. But Kamara coming back, apparently he looked really good in the preseason. We know what an explosive element he can be with fully healthy. And I suppose he has something to prove uh, coming off his suspension. So if he can be an explosive element, then I think that gives New Orleans ahead. But I think one step back, two step forward, I don't know which way it's going to be. But uh, I don't think they're going to dominate against the Tampa Bay defense, which has been pretty solid all round. They've not really done anything too terrible, even against a good Philly offense. They got two turnovers. So this feels like it'll be a tough game. A lot of sacks, fair few turnovers. And then it'll probably come down to who makes the least mistakes. But uh, in an NFC set, which is pretty much between these two teams and the, the Falcons, it's an important game. Minnesota, Carolina, we've gone for Minnesota across the board. Can I just say Andy Dalton looks weird in a Carolina uniform to me. I think it's yeah. the ginger against the silver helmet. <laughs> yeah, he, he looks okay in terms of his, his play last week against the Seattle defense. And Minnesota's defense has obviously been pretty iffy under Brian Flores. I think they're better than last year, but that's not really saying much. Very exploitable if they actually at least do anything now, uh, something. As for Carolina, so I think Carolina, I think they'll score some points here. I think Minnesota will score some points because Carolina's defense, which looked really good week one, has just been slowly depleted of talent as injuries have stacked up. And, you know, against Justin Jefferson, you just expect him to go over 100 yards no matter what. So for Minnesota, it's not that many questions because we kind of just know what they are, but maybe it's time to introduce more Ty Chandler or Cam Akers to see if you can add an explosive element from the run game because, I don't know, Alexander Madison just doesn't look like the answer right now. Yeah, I think for Minnesota, they would love to uh, get a win here, get off the get off the, the zero. Given that they're Minnesota, you know, we're, we're, I would definitely see Caroline winning, but based on the talent discrepancy, it probably should be Minnesota. So we've all picked Minnesota, but uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone is there 100% confident in that. Yeah, with them bringing in Akers, does that mean Madison has thrown away his shot? <laughs> uh, next up, game of the week. Like we were gonna do picks of the weeks for separate ones, but <laughs> like this game is the game this week. Miami at Buffalo. We've gone for Miami across the board. Ronan, do you want to tell us a bit about this one? So obviously, uh, Miami are the the hot property. It feels like in the early goings this season. I think the big X factor that they've added over last year's version. Obviously, last year's offense looked really good as long as uh, Tua and uh, the left tackle Toronto Armstead were were healthy. Is the run game right? The run game is looking pretty goddamn exciting. It was good in week two, but in week three, it literally obliterated the Denver Broncos from the face of the earth. So they had holes, uh, you know, full-on Red Seas-type holes going on there, and they were just racking up yards after yards. And you add in the Tyreek Hill show on top of that, and Jalen Waddell, I think, would be expected to be back from this game from concussion. You know, this is a lot of firepower all going at once. Now, and the only real weakness is the back of Tua's head, basically, if Buffalo's defense can actually get to him. But you can see that Tua, even more so than last year, is getting ring of that ball hot. He is like, I don't want this. You want a tire kill. You want it the running back. You want it. Anyone else. Balls for all of you. But in this Mike McDaniel offense, it just seems to work. It just seems like the other team. Now, I'm sure defensive coordinators across the league are scheming out how do we make them slow down how do we force Tua to have to think you know how do we force him to throw it away and I'm sure like uh, under this the Buffalo situation the defense has been not a problem it's been okay obviously they had a good game last week against uh, Washington but it's a big step up to kind of stop this offense based on early goings I'm sure there'll be a lot of tape looking at what New England did but New England's scheme is so unique I'm not sure it's replicable as for Buffalo like look the offense after a horrible week one 
where and some people have argued that like week one was mostly that the 50-50 balls didn't go their way and then in the last couple of weeks they've gone their way and they look back to normal. I think there's an element of truth in there but I think one thing you've definitely seen is James Cook being more involved in both the rush game and the pass game. I think that's just add a little bit of stability for that team added something that isn't just throw to Stefan Diggs or Josh Allen run the ball and I think that will definitely help them and the Miami defense you know they're fine but they're definitely not one of the elite units in the league and you could imagine that Buffalo could score a lot of points here but the problem is like based on what Miami is doing it might need to be a lot of points I think huge pressure there uh, on on the coaches in Buffalo to slow Miami down and then to stop Allen doing the dumb throw the ball uh, interceptions that he did in week one because even last week like he had a particularly egregious like interception that he threw that was just a stupid ball. Now, the, their 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 hope is their defense last week was lights out. They had was it nine sacks. They kept a completely clean sheet. Like you're going to need your defense performing at that kind of level to stay in this game, and you're going to need a game plan that's specific to this Miami team. Like when I look at this Miami team, it makes me think of the Chiefs team, the the Legion of Zoom stuff that they were doing, except that Miami have like better personnel to run that with like mm. we had Tyreek Hill who was very fast and a lot of like WR3s who were fast they have two wide receiver ones who are like top end speed they have two running backs that have very strong breakaway speed like this is going to be a tough team to beat so it's going to have to be a slow methodical keep them off the pitch get your defense rested try and get them to just be stuck on the sidelines cooling down the whole time but yeah it's going to be a big ask and the thing is like i said i don't like i don't think miami are a 70 points a game team i don't think this is college football i think that's probably a reflection of the the broncos i think as much as anything else but they are a team that can score very quickly and relatively at will if you let them run their game plan so Buffalo's defense needs to be doing kind of what they did last week and then on top of that Buffalo I think need to have a few more explosive plays in the bag they have been good but they haven't been quite as explosive like if we think of three years ago Buffalo Bills like you had a lot of big explosive exciting plays we don't have as many of them this season and if this game goes badly if you have an interception they get a score and a half up you have to be able to respond can't just let them kind of chip away at bits and pieces so you have to earn the explosives by playing i think you have to start yeah take what they give you right and you then do hopefully that will if you can get a lead uh somehow then that will obviously help yeah. with that kind of element as well it's a it's, huge game for the standings as well because like if miami win they'll be four and oh and buffalo will be two and two and yeah obviously the other two teams aren't really doing much it feels like yeah that obviously win. also in division game as well so 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 big pressure the like you said though they think they the, the hope here is that the miami defense is not really up to snuff we kind of laugh at the 70 to 20 score line but they allowed the denver broncos to score 20 points they allowed russell wilson to to put up 300 plus yards or whatever like it's an exploitable defense it's just that the broncos are the broncos so if buffalo can make sure that they don't leave points on the board on offense and then their defense can try and play like it did last week they are definitely in here with a shot but the problem is buffalo need everything to break perfectly right for them they need to not make mistakes whereas miami this is a team that feels like it can afford to make a mistake because it feels like the kind of team that could you know it took the chiefs 13 seconds this team feels that they could do it in seven 
Washington and Philly is up next. We've gone for Philly across the board. Washington's defensive line has been better of late, but they are still coming up against this incredible offensive line in Philly, this great running game that's been working that has multiple options behind it if it Swift's not working, I suppose. Sam Howell was making some mistakes last week, so you hope that he kind of comes back to that week two performance and that you know they can cook something up. This is an incredibly talented Philadelphia team, though. Got depth everywhere on defense and offense. They've got multiple ways to get you whereas like Washington I think they were doing very well with the pieces they have but there is a skill differential here their hope is that their defensive line steps up lives up to its draft pedigree and can cause issues and shuts down a bit of the mobility of of, of the quarterback and kind of shuts down some of those running lanes and makes them earn it but it's very hard to look past Philly in this matchup the biggest thing uh, for Washington is that like the Howell situation last week where he threw four picks doesn't cascade and loses confidence and the whole thing starts to fall apart obviously it's gonna be a really tough challenge here like the philly uh defensive line in particular the interior defensive line with jordan davis and jalen carter has been really really dangerous looking already that's a really young tandem uh looking very scary obviously the even fletcher cox is thrown in there as well so i think you need to avoid those turnovers even if it means you lose the game just keep it close it's gonna to be tough to run the ball but just don't give the game to the other team like you did last week uh, for Philly, like they've been playing a little bit within themselves. They haven't been like their kind of explosive self last la- last year to some extent, though they're still you know <laughs> saying that they're still putting up loads of run yards, over 100 yards per game for Swift. And AJ Brown had a good game last week, but uh, there's still like I think layers to be unpeeled of this Philly team as they go along. But it feels like at the moment they're just they're not having to do that yet. Uh, Washington are a solid challenge, but yeah, you would still feel they're still a step above and they'll get the job done here at home. I always think the final evolution of this Philadelphia team will be that they can average two and a half yards on the tush push and they're just going to run that for an entire series and just say, go on guys, stop me. Next up, we have Denver at Chicago. Oh yeah, toilet bowl. I was saying earlier, I don't think I can remember an earlier matchup that might potentially decide the first overall pick in well, the upcoming those matchups draft. are probably not too memorable typically <laughs> they're not but like for it to happen already in week one in week four is just crazy yeah. so justin fields and has been terrible challenge as well probably that's <laughs> true fields has been terrible of late whatever they've been doing with this new offensive scheme they brought in over the offseason trying to bring in a more intricate rotary and everything like that He's looking in the wrong directions. He's not progressing his reads correctly. He's not seeing open receivers. There was a load of passes in that Chiefs game that he could have taken had he seen them earlier and he was just missing them all. So like they just need to boil it back a little bit and try and figure out what does work and then just lean on that a little bit more. And that might be putting more design runs in. It might be just simplifying the playbook for him, but they need to do something. And to be honest, as they go, this is a get right game potential for them this denver defense is not the denver defense that all of us know from recent years we saw what happened to them against miami like there is a chance for them to do something the downside is chicago's defense is possibly like the worst it's been in a long time and russell wilson is starting to turn around a little bit more in this system he had 300 yards he had some deep balls that were going nicely and in week two he had some excellent deep balls so like hopefully they can get that going and at least we get a bit of a high scoring back and forth here but like these are two of the lower end to absolute bottom end teams in the league at the moment yeah it's it's not uh, it's not looking good chicago interestingly just as a side note have 
a statistically incredibly high, I think something like 60% at the moment, chance of having the first overall pick as they also own the Panthers' first pick as well in the upcoming mm-hmm. draft. So they've got two lottery tickets and they're looking towards the future. Next up, Baltimore, Cleveland. I've gone for Cleveland. You and Sean have gone for Baltimore. Cleveland and Watson are gaining a little bit of steam at the moment. The Chubb is gone, but their running game is looking good with Ford and they're now going to have worked in Hunt a little bit more. So there might be a little bit more to go there. Also, they were finally seeing a bit of a connection at the tail end of the game with Watson and uh, Cooper which is nice to see which by the way I'd forgotten how big Cooper was like kind of he's, he's much more muscly than I thought he was Baltimore has been a little bit more in the downslope of late I didn't like their performance we talked about that a little bit earlier on what you'd like to see is them return to form and actually kind of eke out a win show that they can battle through against a divisional rival and kind of get themselves back on track it's a Baltimore team that has the talent to be able to do that. They've got good players in the defense. They've got a lot of weapons on the offense. It's just a matter of actually using them this time because last week was a massive step backward from what they've been doing this season and what they've been attempting to do. So hopefully they're going to be able to get a little bit more going this time around. My concern is this Cleveland defense looks absolutely legit. And Miles Garrett is playing top of his game at the moment. Top to bottom, they've been playing incredibly well and causing problems. So I'm not sure this is going to be a get-right game for a Baltimore offense. To, to some extent, uh, I almost think your pick is probably the right pick, but A, fuck the Browns, uh, and B, yep. like the Baltimore Ravens own the Cleveland Browns at a kind of subatomic level to some extent, and they tend to more often than not get away with it and win here. But I think the Cleveland's record at home against Baltimore has been okay the last few years, so this feels like it could be a sloppy, another sloppy game uh, at the Cleveland Stadium. Baltimore are so banged up they're, they're facing a lot of challenges so it's really just a lot of faith being placed in the fact that John Harbaugh is a great coach and that Lamar Jackson can have a solid game and they can eke a win out here but this feels like a game where yeah there's definitely a world in which Cleveland defense takes over this game makes Lamar Jackson's life very very difficult as they're kind of he's still kind of betting into this new offense he might have to run a lot uh, which can be both a positive and a, and a negative depending on the scenario uh, but for Cleveland I suppose the big question is against the defense which has some injury issues but which is still solid uh can Deshaun Watson continue his upward slide because I still think Deshaun Watson in any given game has that chance of just having an absolute stinker and letting the other team win no matter how bad they are to be honest. oh yeah, yeah so I'm willing to pick Baltimore because fuck the brands but yeah it's obviously these games tend to be tight and sloppy so it's hard to predict uh, beforehand yeah we move into the late slate by the way NFL could you please give us more games in the late slate you've, you've done what Fitz has asked we don't have a double Monday night football this time around but like we don't need nine games in the early slate or eight games in the early slate plus in London like just put put another one in there just in the off chance because you could get one-sided in this happening in a few of these games first up Arizona at San Francisco we've got San Francisco across the board the disrespect we're showing Arizona in this following their great win this week but Sam Fran like for both of us are kind of top of our power rankings I suppose if you want to think about it that way like CMC and Purdy are the engine of that offense Debo Samuel is playing excellently Brandon Ayuk is meant to be back this week from his injury so like this should be an absolutely rolling San Francisco offense their defense is incredibly strong I trust the San Francisco offense more than I trust the Dallas offense and then even if you say defenses are pushed San Francisco have not had the injury bug quite as badly so like it's very hard to see past them in this one although if Arizona were to pull this off we'll have to really really change the way we look at them they showed that they have a decent run game. They showed that they're getting a lot out of Dobbs. So, like, there's a chance for them. Connor, if he puts up a big performance, could do good. But, like, the San Francisco defense, I think, is a step beyond the Dallas one. And I'm just, I can't see Arizona being able to pull it off, uh, particularly away to San Fran. Like Arizona, obviously, big beast hunting. They got their first big kill last week against the 
an overweening uh, Dallas team, but San Francisco feel like an even extra level above what Dallas have done. They're so dominant on both sides of the ball. Their offense has so many different ways of going, and we saw in the playoffs that if they hadn't been injury crisis a quarterback that Shanahan seemed to have the number of Jonathan Gannon on the defensive side like in the Shanahan scheme is so hard to, to keep down this is you know this is a different level of, of, of difficulty so I think Arizona definitely don't want to get blown out here they want to keep it respectful but there is definitely a chance San Francisco will blow them out because they've done that pretty much every week they're, they're scoring 30 points uh, in their first three weeks that's tough to keep up with uh, and on the defense it's obviously it's Nick Bosa and all the boys having a tough job and you know if the game gets out of hand if Arizona are actually behind which they actually haven't been much this season you would wonder if they have to put the ball into Dobbs hand and say go pass it out to Marquise Brown and Michael Wilson and whatever like that how ugly that might start getting and that could get quite ugly quite fast against this particular team so San Francisco have to be favored here they're looking like a true dominant force in the NFL but Arizona you've earned our respect if you can manage to keep up or even keep this close then uh I think we'll have to start giving you more credit uh, as we go to these picks going forward. Yeah, AFC West next. Las Vegas taking on the Chargers. We've gone for Chargers across the board, Ronan. This is probably going to be like high scoring, good good for red zone purposes because, you know, there's a chance one of these games won't be too many points. But I don't know. Neither of these teams really, like, I just don't like the vibes right now. Like, Vegas are just toddling their way to, like, seven wins probably or something like that. The Chargers, like, they definitely have a playoff, like, wildcard hunt in them but just the first innings have been just so annoying even the win against minnesota was just annoying so i'm just not really in love with either of these teams right now the chargers offense if it's slowed down by the loss of williams against this defense i imagine they'll still be pretty effective how many yards will the chargers give up to Devontae adams probably all of them but can the vegas raiders actually get josh jacobs going that would be a benefit here but uh, this is going to be a dumb game we're picking the chargers because they're better but look the chargers could definitely lose the game because they're the fucking chargers yeah i think it was week four last week when jacobs started getting going he had a very slow start last week as well so maybe this is the this is the chance for him new england with dallas up next we've gone for dallas across the board this dallas offense was a bit stifled last week but can they get it going again against you know the mega mind of NFL defenses and Bill Belichick because I don't think this is a question of can New England outscore Dallas I think this is a question of who's going to be able to score on the other one New England's offense will almost certainly struggle against Dallas albeit now depleted with the loss of Diggs in the backfield whereas Dallas are going to be going against probably one of the best schemers in the NFL with the defense that has been able to shut down or slow down at least very, very high potent offenses, far more potent than Dallas. If you can hold the Dolphins to, I think it was 27 points or something along those lines, like this Dallas team is no Miami Dolphins. So there is always a puncher's chance, particularly if New England can get anything going in the offensive side of the ball the problem is this mac attack has not been going fantastic so far does it get on back on track this week josh dobbs tore these boys up the Ireland offense at least has shown life this season whereas like new england's biggest offensive highlight is the the dick tap or the, the yeah whatever that uh mac jones was doing and some busted coverages like i think if new england can win this game they need to get their run game going the run game's been just i don't know stuck in second gear it feels like the entire season and they're relying on mac jones to do things and his job seems to be give it to a raw an ineffective run on first down five yard gain on second down deep shot on third down that doesn't succeed repeat in you know ad infinitum and it's just it's barely watchable basically now the new england defense will obviously 
if they're at their the right level they'll probably keep this within you know being a somewhat competitive game but there's only so much that they can do and obviously they won't have the weather on their on their side here because it's a dome so it's just you would expect dallas to win this game after a tough outing and to a certain extent maybe the vanillaness of mccarthy will help them here because new england will know exactly what they're doing and dallas's offense isn't based on doing special stuff so maybe that actually help because you know i think new england's biggest successes are the fact that teams are trying explosive plays and stuff like that i don't know if dallas are really into that they're like running the ball with pollard giving the ball to cd lamb a lot and then hoping that's enough and against this new england team it, it will probably be enough but it won't be particularly inspiring zeke elliott revenge game yes i suppose <laughs> <laughs> Sunday Night Football, oh God, you poor, poor, poor Sunday Night Football watchers. Kansas City at the New York Jets. We've gone Kansas City across the board here. Big question for this game, will Wilson make it to the end of the game or will we see, uh, let me just check here, Tim Boyle, well, Tim Boyle. Well, 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 they just made a big signing, uh, Trevor Simeon. You know, oh, Trevor really... Simeon's in the house. Ooh, yeah, 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 exciting. The man. Excellent. That makes uh, him sound way more dynamic than he actually <laughs> It does, it does, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, so I think, look, the, the, the big question here is going to be this New York Jets defense is incredibly talented. Uh, will they be able to, ra- like, will the Kansas City be able to rack up points against them or will this be kind of kind of slow, attritional, the Chiefs will score, kick a lot of field goals and win, but the Jets defense will hold and the media will write more things about how Wilson is just kind of wasting what is otherwise a superstar roster, particularly with the fact that the Chiefs are still figuring things out on offense with their wide receivers. There will be chances here for a sporting kind of Jets defense, opportunistic, I suppose would be the term, to make some big defensive plays and, and, and do some big things. So like the, the, the problem is just the, I suppose, moribund is the term offense of this Jets and can they get anything going? They have good running backs, and running backs have been getting some gain on the on the Chiefs' defense, but the Chiefs' defense has been looking good as well of late, so we'll see. A big thing to watch out for as well is to see just how many offensive line penalties the Chiefs get. There was a fun story doing the rounds about how when they benched Taylor for a series during the recent game. It wasn't for him getting the penalties. He had a cut in the inside of his mouth, but they put the backup tackle in and they told him to set up deeper than Taylor was to to see if he would get called for penalties and he was not called for penalties. Yeah, they need to run a crossover design like ABBA, you know, kind of try with different amounts of him sitting back mm. and different offensive tackles and seeing if they can find a statistically significant difference. Uh, there have been suggestions that actually the solution is just to get Creed Humphrey a larger arse. Well, I, I was saying that the next evolution of scouting is to find uh, uh, centers who have extremely long abdomens um, so their waistline <laughs> is lower or to start getting them to wear like early 90s baggy pants so it looks like their waistline is lower than expected. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think Joan Taylor, he's just, he just need look, just Joan Taylor, even if you give up a couple more sacks than usual, these are the kind of lesser games. Maybe just do it, get the refs back on your side and then, you know, by the end of the season when it actually matters, maybe you can start to... Uh, edging back to your uh, preferred position. It's an interesting one because Andy is now calling out the refs. Now, he's he's a, he's an overly nice man, so like he doesn't say it particularly badly, but him saying it nicely is him essentially screaming at them. I will be interested like, to see he, whether, whether or not he, that he, does anything or actually just puts a bigger target on the back. He, he is correct that Jawan Taylor is not the only person who does this. Lots of offensive line. This is one of those things that we called every play. But once the refs have you down, 
they're going to call it. And it happened like the first game of the season, literally first game of the season. Yeah, they just look very bad out. for not getting it. Yeah. And he also combines that with a technique where I think there's like a, there's a kind of lacunae in the rules where yeah, a, lift, a, lift, a lift step for repositioning prior to the snap or it's something. It's not false yeah. start. So he, like, he, he, like Lane Johnson's one of the best offensive tackles in the league and he has the same technique, but it's just one of those things. All this focus on you just play more conservatively. If you get a few holding calls, that's that's better than than, than this going on forever, yeah. basically. Because you're the, literally the, unplayable at this point. There'll be there'll be no talk about it at all, because it'll just be talking about Taylor Swift up in the uh up in the corporate wow, boxes anyway. Finally, Monday night football, your guys are up Seattle at the Giants, Ronan. It's, They're playing back to back in in New York again. That poor fucking field. That they, they definitely had some thoughts about how good these Gi- New York teams were going to be and those thoughts were very incorrect because the Giants right now are barely watchable even after getting a win in week two but they were back to being truly stinking up the place albeit against San Francisco last week so it's very hard to pick the Giants right now we know what they're good at because they did it last year you know Daniel Jones rushing the ball a bit get the ball quickly out to your receivers hopefully Darren Waller makes impact Saquon I think they're hoping is back for this game though it's, it's up in the air at the moment and if all those things come together and the defensive line actually starts doing things maybe they have a chance but like I think Seattle despite the fact that they're dealing with a whole bunch of injuries themselves particularly on the offensive line and defensive line they look like they've been able to cope with it better like they're they're still getting rushing production Gino has mostly been kept on his feet and it just feels like Seattle have more solutions right now and they'll edge out this game but I think given the respective battered nature of both teams uh, I wouldn't be too confident in it. Very good and that wraps up the uh, picks for next week. Good to see the seems to be a long day with the London game on as well and then obviously next week we'll be heading over to London to, to, to catch one of the games live. That'll be uh, very exciting. Any plans for the weekend yourself? This is probably just to get all the things I need to have ready for London uh, weekend. Just uh, need to buy a few things uh, change stuff up and uh other than that, maybe watch some of the Rugby World Cup. Ireland aren't playing this weekend, so can just catch some of the neutral games, I suppose. Very good, yeah. I'll be uh, playing some Dungeons and Dragons on Saturday, but other than that, very similar, kind of getting bits and pieces ready for the for the London trip and trying to wrap up one or two bits in work, so very exciting. So I suppose that'll wrap us up for this week. We will have Sean back next week as well. For now, it's bye from myself. Bye from Roland. Bye. This has been all four quarters. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you.